0: Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders, by leaders, for leaders, from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met in the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders Learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders, helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Abortion Recovery Network. Linda a- Keener Thomas and Mindy Lefeshore are here with you today, co-hosting, and we have the honor of interviewing and talking with and spending some time with Melissa Santiago of heartbeats.org. Um, in uh, Ohio. So Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am Melissa and I am uh, currently um, on staff at Heartbeats. Um, I have been a volunteer here for many years and came on staff um, to help uh, with church relations and also uh, post-abortive recovery programs here. So thank you for having me.
0: That's exciting. Um, would you now, okay. Just for everybody who's listening, Melissa and I met through an Ohio zoom group, abortion. What is that? Abortion recovery coalition is what it's called. Is that correct? Ohio. And, um, I I don't remember exactly why I reached out, but we decided to chat and we had one conversation by zoom. And so since then I realized that this lady has a lot for you all to hear, and like I get the privilege of sitting with her and talking with her, so I wanted her to come on and talk to everybody who's listening, just because she's been doing this for a really long time, and um, and I know that she's got some things to share with us, and so um, I wanted you guys to enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So Melissa, I know you've told me a little bit about yourself. Would you mind telling about how you got to where you're at right now? Just a little bit about your story.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, uh, recommitted my life to Christ in 2008 and I had had a lot of healing and, um, really deliverance and, um, our pastor kind of challenged us to ask God what he would have us do, uh, what he would have us be a part of. And, um, I kind of went home and spent some time with God and, and I really knew that I wanted to help women. Um, I was a single mom and wanted to know, you know, I love women having three daughters of my own. Um, I know women. I love them. It's um, what I know. And uh, really, he just led me to heartbeats to serve women. Um, I had no intention of really talking about uh, abortion and um, even revisiting that wound in my life, but God had other plans and, um, ended up, you know, going through the training, um, and was encouraged to go through, uh, post-abortive ministry. So I went through that and it really, um, still to date was probably one of the most pivotal points in my life and, uh, really just changed everything for me. So I am just such a believer in it and, um, after that just wanted to help, uh, lead post-abortive groups. So started trying to do that within the church, uh, my personal church. And we had a couple of groups, but it wasn't super successful. Um, and, uh, later came on staff at Heartbeats, um, to help lead post-abortive groups through Heartbeats. Um, I think sometimes that extra layer of, um, distance even you know from our church body um can help women come forward um sometimes so uh, we've we've had groups here for honestly i'm not exactly sure how long but at least probably 30 years um because we've been here for 50 um as far as as an organization um so i have been doing this uh since 2011 so um been a long time yeah
0: That is a long time. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, So one thing that struck me about our previous conversation was you were talking and, and forgive me if I have this number wrong, but you mentioned that you have like 400 plus inquiries a year for abortion recovery. Is that correct?
1: Coming through your center. So prior to 2020 um, we had, you know, we would get on average, like probably five to eight requests a year. Most of those were coming directly from churches. Uh, you know, we would go out and speak and share and women would come forth, um, through their church. So on average, it was five to eight requests a year, um, that we were getting, um, December of 2020, everything changed for us. And, we were going on break that year for uh christmas and they just started coming in so we had like 27 just in one month um so then we knew something was happening 2021 we ended up with 255 requests and then last year um 398 requests
0: my goodness
1: so what do you what do you amazing. attribute
0: that to yeah what do you what do you think I mean, is it Honest, your
1: website or what do you think it is? Honestly, we did do a couple of small things to our website. Um, you know, we we added a video, we changed some of some of the verbiage. It was actually a post abortive woman who had written um, some content for us uh, many years prior, and I kind of was updating the page, and so I used her uh, her words um, and posted that on the website. Uh, We were doing some other things marketing wise um, within the website, you know, so there were some, some things that we were doing um, for sure. So, uh, and, and I'd be happy to share, you know, some of those as well, but keywords, you know, some of those things we were just adding, kind of trying to do as much as we could with a small budget. Um, So we were kind of doing, doing some internal things that we could do.
0: And my guess is most of us are small budget. (laughs) so yes so if you said you did a video and I'm just going to dig into this a little bit tell us a little bit about that video
1: that video actually was my testimony that we had done um a couple years prior for a church um event well it was actually for a banquet um we had shared and it was a it's a three-minute video um just kind of talking about my story uh, put that on. I do think the video definitely helps, um, you know, to have, especially with the younger generation, they like to watch something versus, um, you know, reading. So That's true. that was a, a big one. Um, just adding a video, I think is very impactful.
0: Okay, well, that's a good idea. And what about you said change the content and you talked about keywords? Now did you just do this in a blog form or did you kind of go through the whole website and just you know consider the words and and add abortion in it more often or what what kind of things were you doing with that?
1: It actually so a couple things. I think we added a lot of the symptoms um that was a big one because we didn't have really kind of some of those things that she was struggling with um, specifically, you know, and like, you know, anxiety, you know, some of the ones that could go the real more general ones that maybe she didn't identify with. Um, because I think we do go a whole, a whole lot of years, right, without really recognizing some of those, those things that are associated. So we added a list of those. Uh, we also added Um, several words when it came to like abortion, help, you know, abortion after abortion support, abortion recovery, like really thinking through like, what would she search for? Like, and whatever that is, let's make sure it's on the page. And let's make sure it's on the page several times. Um, So I think adding that not just once, but repeating it as well is helpful.
0: That's a, that's great information. And especially for those of us who yet can't quite afford somebody to do it for us. Um, but okay. So I'm now I'm really curious. You had 398 people contact you realistically, how many of those did you, were you able to actually talk to, you know, whether it was by email or by phone or by text, I guess. Um, and then how many of those were you able to actually work with in a group? And did you refer or did a lot of them drop off? I mean, what does that
1: look? That's a lot of people. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and hopefully through all of this, right, we can kind of learn how to keep them all because, you know, that is part of my heart, obviously, um, and all of ours is them not dropping off. And, you know, so of the 398, um, so we directly spoke with them either through text, email, or a phone call. So we have spoken to them in some context. all of those people, all of those requests. um, Is what we initially have tried to do is when they come in, really the most effective way that we found for them to to come and to really stay either to one of our groups or to be referred to a local pregnancy center because that was our hope that we could get them connected with the local pregnancy center so that if they then in fact needed further, you know, care or connection, that that would be an easy transition for them. Um, but the, the the thing that we found time and time again, just in kind of looking back and oh, we're, you know, continually readjusting and doing what we needed to do was if we could get them on the phone, if they could hear my voice or my other leader's voice, um, that I mean, I I don't know what exact percentage, but a high percentage would follow through and actually either go through a group or be very open to us getting them connected to someone else. So that voice contact, very important.
0: You know, I think that that's true. I mean, even the new, the next generation or the latest generation or whatever, um, whatever label we have for them now, I mean, they're so tech savvy, but yet there is nothing like connecting with somebody in their voice because you hear compassion, right? You hear that, and so even with me, I find that sometimes I don't respond to people by email. If I have a moment, I'll just pick up the phone and call them. And sometimes they don't answer because obviously it's an out-of-state number. So I'll text them and just say, "Hey, I reached out to you," and they leave a voicemail so that they can hear my voice if they do listen if they have their voicemail open. <laughs> some don't. Some, you know, the voicemails all full, but. Um, I think that's really important, what you're saying there.
2: It is amazing what God is doing and, and uh, just underlines where, where Mindy and I both uh, have a conviction that God is fixing to do mm-hmm. amazing things mm-hmm. in post-abortion. <laughs> yeah. The harvest is so ripe, yeah, so ripe. Are you doing some social media kinds of things too? Has that been a difference at all? How do people actually get to the website other than the search engines?
1: But we do have, we did hire um, a marketing company for Instagram and Facebook, but we haven't really seen like that. That's where they're going. It's really through Uh, Google. Um, you know, they're really through Google. They're putting in keywords there. And, um, for whatever reason in that 2020 transition, you know, then we now bubbled up. So we're getting people from literally all over the world. I mean, we've reached, I think last I mean, over 13 countries, every state in the U.S. Um, So I think is what happened is we were just getting so much that we kind of bubbled up and were the first place they were connecting to, even though they have obviously local centers there. Um, You know, they have local, uh, a lot of them have local services that they just, for whatever reason, it wasn't coming up on their search. Um, Another thing that I would say would be super important um, is to have an actual page for post-abortive, you know, as we've been kind of finding referrals and, uh, trying to connect these women with local leaders, we're finding that a lot of post-abortive, um, you know, centers that have post-abortive ministry don't have like a dedicated page. Um, So that is very important to have a dedicated page and to have an easy contact um, they're not necessarily going to want to call the number to the main line. And even if they right. do that, which we've done to try to help them and filter through some of that, there's a lot of uh, steps that they have to take and we want to remove all those barriers. We want to make it very easy <laughs> for them to connect with us. We want to make, because if they have to call a, a second number or do a second step, you know, you, you yeah, risk.
2: you lose them. That's right.
1: Yeah, I just, as we've
2: been talking, I I went on to the heartbeats.org uh, website that you gave us, and it goes to the pregnancy center thing. I noticed you have to go to services and down to post-abortion. So you've got another um, place that takes them straight into that page then, another website?
1: No. No, so okay. now we do have, like, for the techie side of it, we do have, like, a landing page, and I'm. I, are you familiar with kind yeah. of a landing page? So yes. we do have a landing page, meaning when they, just for those out there that may not know, when they Google uh, abortion recovery or, or support after abortion, they're going to hit a landing page that's going to take straight, them directly straight to into it, it, into that pay- page. So that was something um, that was added around that time.
2: That's great. That is great. I love yeah. that. that. And that would be fairly easy to do, I think, with yeah. a little techie, more than I have, but for a lot of people, it would be easy to do. Melissa, yeah. well, you've been at this for a long time. Uh, what trends do you see um, happening in with all these changes that you guys have been experiencing? And I know other uh, organizations are as well. What do you see that's changing in the abortion recovery
1: so I think when I first started this, women were waiting five, 10, 15 years to come for help. And that is not the case anymore. They're coming days, weeks after um, specifically, you know, and I'm seeing both with the pill and as well as, as the surgical, you know, they're just, they're coming immediately. And so that changes, you know, obviously a lot of the way that we would handle things and the care that they need, uh, but they're coming, they're coming very quickly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Yeah. You know,
0: I've noticed that too. I work, I volunteer with the helpline, uh, the H3 helpline. And um, of course, in my own ministry, just talking to women. And, you know, if you don't mind, um, I would like for you to talk a little bit about why you think they're coming so quickly, but let's talk about the abortion pill, because I know that has a big plays, a big factor into why they're coming so quickly. You know, I just had a friend over for lunch today actually, and <clears throat> she works in a pregnancy center, you know, and she works in an admin part of it. And we were talking about the abortion pill and how, you know, I'm getting these women calling so much sooner. And it it kind of surprised her. Now, when she stopped and thought about it, she realized, why it wasn't a surprise, but sometimes even in the pregnancy centers, we're not all up to speed on what's happening with the abortion pill and how it's affecting these women. So I want to just kind of let you talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I think there's a few reasons why they're coming sooner. Cause again, I am seeing as well with the surgical that they're coming very quickly as well. Yes. You know, I think there's a few things, I think mental health now is very acceptable to it's true. to this Point. younger generation They're, you know it's the self-care the self-help the you know all the things that is um, allowing them to reach out for help when they need it where I think in our generations you know mental health was a scary thing and people would kind of you know they'd suffer in silence for a long time um, not wanting to get help and counseling is almost you know in a sense, it's kind of fashionable. I mean, it's just this thing that's changed so much. So, you know, groups and therapy groups and all these things. Um, So I think that's one part of it. Um, I think the other thing is with the pill, um, because I'm hearing the stories and they're awful, you know, they're having a lot of physical um, complications after, but they're also seeing a lot of things, um, you know, they're actually, you know, they're alone in their bathrooms by themselves. Thanks. There's absolutely nobody there. I mean, they're the fear that they're experiencing, um, you know, fear of physical things happening, but also, you know, the nightmares The, I mean, there's just a lot more extreme, like, I think, um, immediate things that are happening with that, with the pill. Um, and right. also they're being Triggered even, you know, every month when they start their period, um, there's a trigger now that they're going through that. So it's, it seems like they can't get away from it, you know? Um, Yeah,
0: yeah. those are good points. I never considered, I'm glad you talked about this because I didn't even consider the fact that counseling is now fashionable. It's kind of in vogue to have something wrong with you actually. So, you know, you're right in our day, it was like, no, you know, that's, we don't talk about those things, you know, and people didn't really know how to talk about those things, to be honest with you, even though I think there was counselors and stuff, but I'm not sure, you know, if they knew how to talk about them as much as they do now. I don't know. I haven't been totally in that field, but you're right. The other thing it did go ahead. I go ahead.
1: I think the other thing too, is, you know, we've lived, you know, these young women have been told over and over that abortion is, is an okay decision. It's, you know, it, it's a, it's a choice that they have. And I think (laughs) once they actually are making that decision and they are so conflicted Mm -hmm. because everything inside of them is saying, this is not okay. I'm Mm -hmm. hurting, I'm broken. I'm, but yet from a society perspective, you know, they it's okay. And Mm -hmm. so then them feeling like they're not okay Mm -hmm. um, is also, troubling them even more in a sense because they're feeling like they're going crazy. I mean, really they're so surprised. Yeah.
0: You know, it's, uh, it's interesting because um, you know, in our time having an abortion for at least for me was surgical and I didn't see anything. I felt some things, I heard some things, but I didn't see anything. And um, having that disconnect with that visual, not there, it took a while for it to connect in my head but there's still a disconnect, even when they're seeing, I mean, I'm still talking to women and there's still a disconnect of, well, I still think it was the right thing to do. Mm. And they're just not connecting the fact that their body's taking them through a process of grieving. Well, you don't grieve something. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to, you know what I'm saying? You just, you just, I don't know how to put that into words. It's tragic. It's tragic and it's sad and it breaks my heart. And I think you brought up some really good points. I mean, I never thought about honestly, Them having their periods again. And I'm and just to be truthful is because I don't have mine anymore. So I don't even think about that anymore. But it's true, you know, having their periods again, and that might trigger because initially they probably had a lot of blood with that pill. And you know, I mean, I did think about the whole bathroom thing, going back into your bathroom all the time and having those triggering thoughts, you know, and it is in my terminology, pure evil, and it is like it is the cruelest form of evil. Because for us, I mean, it was still cruel. The veil took a long time to be ripped away, but this one, it's being ripped away immediately. It's like, oh, ha ha. Like if you could just hear the devil speak and I don't want to give him any glory, but it is heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Thank you for uh, sharing all that with us. Um, I'm curious about these women that are coming to you and the inquiries that you're getting. What is your team like? How are you processing them? How are you? how are you determining, you know, what their best needs are? I'm assuming you have a good intake process and, and you have all this, but that's a lot of people, a lot of women to, you know, are you referring, you said you're trying to get them contacted with the local pregnancy center. I'm sorry. Now I know I'm going with this. What kind of studies are you doing and what are you offering them? Are they all going into abortion recovery or are you doing other kinds of studies? Cause we know that some women will come to us for abortion recovery, but they have other things attached. They have issues in their sexual past, whether it's stuff done to them or, you know, they've done to themselves. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like in your center.
1: Yes. Well, currently we, we just do the uh, abortion recovery Uh, and really because we've had such a um, high demand for that. So we're, we're staying super, like super laser focused on that. And we've really had to adjust, um, pretty quickly and, um, readjust and readjust, you know, as we were learning through this, because it just came like a flood. Um, so typically when they come in, uh, and again, depending on the situation, some, if they're texting us, they're not maybe super open to having, conversation, if they don't give us permission to call them, obviously we're, we're texting. Uh, so we don't sometimes always have like a lot of ability to talk to her. Um, so we have, we do have a process. So we have a, a good intake form, but again, we kept it very simple because we were finding in the beginning, you know, we had 20 questions that was too much for her. and uh, We were losing, we were losing them. Right. We decided let's simplify this. Let's keep it super simple because we're not counselors. Um, We are very transparent about that. You know, this really is a place where you can come, where you're really hurting. You're in that conflict. You know, many are coming in, as you said, Mindy, like they're coming in still. you know, saying they're, they're pro-choice, but everything inside of them is, is screaming that they need help. So we want, you know, we just want to create a place where they can come and get the truth, right? Because if they go somewhere else, um, in their pain, they could be fed really down a a different trail of um, acceptance or whatever, I don't know, you know, and so we want to make sure we can get them um, into whatever care they're ready for. Um, There definitely is a Many that there are many that aren't ready for a group, um, but we found that that kind of organically happens as far as like she'll typically, you know, she's maybe it's a week post, right? She reaches out. I need help. We're responding. You know, we're giving her uh, letting her know that there are there is lots of resources for her. Um, we're trying to just kind of, you know, build that rapport, get that connection with her. If she drops, um, off, which happens a lot when it's very, very soon, um, at this point, we don't get too discouraged because we're finding that they come back around. Mm -hmm. Um, but now at least she has a lifeline. She knows where we are. We give her an 800, the 800 number that she can call um anytime if she needs to call 24 hours a day so she has that um so i mean even with that you know we're doing what we can if she drops she still she has that 800 number she knows she can come back around when she's ready um but our our first honestly goal is to really get her connected to a local pregnancy center because virtual is wonderful we l- honestly have grown to love it now um but at the end of the day it person to person is obviously the best and we want to get her to a local center. So that's what we've done. If, if they're ready, if they want to connect and get into a group, then we're, we're, we're trying to find her a group in her area. If she's not, then that's when we kind of go through our process. So we have a very short um, intake form that we actually do over the phone. Most of the time, Um, if she won't, Allow us to call her, which is a, is a thing because she's just not ready to do that. Um, then we'll send her those questions through her email, and as long as she answers those questions, then we'll send her the link um, to our uh, group, our next group that's that's coming up. And then we do ask before the group starts that we have at least one quick five minute phone call because I want to make sure she's a real person. I want to make sure, you know, I just need to talk to her to kind of do some of that screening a little bit. Um, and, and then she's in the group. So we make it really simple. I mean, we just, that's what's working for us.
0: I think that's really good. You mentioned an 800 number. Is that just for your girls to call that you give to, or is that a published number for like, like a helpline?
1: Yeah, it's a helpline. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's Mindy and I net. both
2: volunteer with the help li- different helplines too. So there's several out there.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: so yours is 24 a ad- 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Yes. Okay. So it's not um it's it is it called a heartbeats? What what is the name of it?
1: No, I'm sorry, it's not ours. We use um the CareNet. We just share the CareNet eight hundred.
0: Okay, nine. okay. All right. And that's what I just wanted to clarify there.
1: Yes. Yes, right. not ours.
0: All right, thanks.
1: Now, as far as the studies we're using, I think you asked as well. So we do have um, we do have keys to hope it hope and healing, um, that is a non faith based, and then we also have living in color, which is a faith based. So we have both of those options. So we're kind of screening her again with that intake either by phone or by email, we let them know that we have two of those, and we let her choose, you know, what she's most comfortable um, participating in.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good. And, you know, it's something that Linda and I have talked about different study kind of options. And um, I've heard a lot of talk on the different studies. Um, You know, I I tend to find, and I think you and I talked about this, Melissa, the study you go into is usually the one you fall in love with, because you meet god typically and you get healed and you get a lot of at least a good layer of healing and you get a lot of tools and freedom from that and then there's been a trend to move into groups that have books if you will that are not necessarily bible studies and don't may mention god or may welcome god in the test personal testimonies but isn't in the content of the book and um and i know there's been a lot of conversation around this and what I've heard, in some respects, is troubling to me. Um, is you really need to be doing this? You really need to be offering this, is what I hear people saying to me. You really need to have this option. And yet, um, for me, I struggle with that. Right? I struggle with my faith. If I if I if I'm not bringing them to God, I'm really not bringing them to healing. So I haven't gotten to that point where I have the conviction from the Lord to re, to be able to do that. And so I think it is personal conviction based on your relationship with the Lord and where how you feel like God is taking you down that path. And you and I talked just briefly about your struggle with that transition. So I'd really like for you to share that with everybody. and I And I think you're going to be really good for this because I think we're getting a lot of pressure in our own movement to do something that maybe God is not making, you know, wanting us to do. And we need to be okay with wherever anybody is at, you know, and know that God is going to cover all those gaps. But tell us about your, your struggle with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, even personally, like I, you know, I've always been definitely feel more called to serve the church. You know, I'm not the one signing up to like go do street side ministry or anything, you know, I'm like, I'm typically, I've just really always felt more called in that area as far as just to even just women within the church, you know, helping them um, be restored. So for us, when, again, when that kind of just started, when they just started coming um, and the conversations that I started having with these ladies, you know, I, I would say, honestly, majority of women that I have personally spoken to do have some um, belief in God. I mean, they're not resistant to God by any, by any means, but because of where they're at with their shame, you know, with just going through an abortion and really feeling the guilt and the shame, they're not ready to face God. (laughs) And that was the thing that I just kept, kind of hearing, like, they're like, yeah, I do. But I just, you know, I, I can't right now. I just they they were even feeling, you know, they were pushing themselves away from the godly people in their lives and, and, and not going back to church, you know, all of these things because of the shame. And so for me, I just started to feel, you know, the conviction of, because originally we had, we were doing surrendering the secret. Well, that is a very deep, Bible study, um, when it post-aborted and that's what I went through and I I loved it. So that's where I I was. And again, after these kind of conversations have started, I I started to realize that these women weren't necessarily ready for a Mm -hmm. deep dive Bible study. Um, when I went through mine, I was, because I was two years in and I had already been through, you know, 10, 12 Bible studies. And so this was like, Oh, I'm going to do another great Bible study, you know? And so it, it wasn't um, intimidating to me in a sense that way, um, but these women, the women that are coming are they may go to church um, occasionally they and or they come from a Christian home or they have some belief I mean majority uh, but again to do a Bible study it just they weren't they weren't reading it they weren't completing it they were showing up um, but we just weren't getting where we needed to go. And so I started having that conviction to kind of just, um, start to maybe look at things differently. And, um, I even told my director, I told you, I even told my director, like, I can't, I can't do a non-faith based study. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't have anything to give. And I, I personally was convicted, uh, by the Holy spirit that, you know, I could possibly be the only Christian that they are to engage with during this time. And, or I could be the bridge of a Christian that they could um, open up to and learn, you know, learn that, you know, not all, all Christians are condemning or going to, you know, whatever, whatever their fears are, whatever it is, you know, I could just love them really, really well as a Christian. And God has shown me ways to bring in what I need to say. I say something as simple as, as a christian you know so i do share my faith because i am a christian now mm. they can share their input as not being a christian if if they would like but as a christian i do so i do still share and god opens up those conversations every time i've never left we've never completed a group without talking about god mm. without the faith element being opened it's just a very gentle dance that we do it's different um that's exactly what i was <laughs> going to ask because just like mindy i have
2: struggled with you know knowing that there's no healing outside of jesus um not any lasting forgiveness um so that was that was exactly where i was going to go is is does god come into it even though you're not using a christian study or how many of these go with the secu- secular study and then want to come back through a christian study once that door is open um what kind of results are you are you seeing i guess that's what really counts it's not mm-hmm. the study but how god uses that in his life to draw them in
1: right. good point and that's exactly what we're seeing happening um a current a good story for this um so i recently had a young woman who is a believer uh her she has a very um godly family and she recently went through an abortion And she chose the non-faith based study as a believer, because she is, is obviously not walking out things the way that she should be in her life right now, but she is hiding. She's hiding and she did not want to be in a faith-based study. So she went through the non-faith based, um, and completed that. We did have a lot of conversation about God. They were all in total agreement. Uh, the only time we don't go there is if there is somebody that is very resistant and saying they absolutely do not want to talk about it then we allow that person not to talk about it but we still give freedom for the others to talk about it because if they need to talk about it they need to be free just like that person needs the freedom to not talk about it so it's still open Um, but she did complete that group and now is actually in, um, our living in color group. So, and we are finding that happening a lot. Um, they don't want to leave. They want to stay and they do want to go deeper because we're always telling them, you know, look, we have another study that goes deeper, um, not only in all of these areas that we've talked about, but it brings in the most important thing, which is, you know, our relationship with God. And we are having many, many women, um, go into the Living in Color after. So we're keeping them, you know, more than the six weeks, they're staying the six weeks, then coming and staying another eight weeks. So it really has become a discipleship program. I mean, at this point, you know, we are walking them through a lot of things and they're staying together. You know, the four that were in this group are okay. now staying together and they're going in to the next group together.
0: That's really cool. That's, that's actually what I was going to ask. So Do you have a lot of women go through the keys to hope and healing and then just kind of stop or are they, do you find the majority of them are actually going through the second study and recommitting their lives to the Lord?
1: Yeah, Yeah. I would probably about probably 40% are staying and going through the second study, but even the, the, the 60% that aren't, they have almost almost. Almost all of them, like I said i I can think of maybe two <laughs> out of all of these years you know that have been just like very resistant to truly opening up opening up to the gospel um but I still have a really good relationship with those two and they've even come back around so it's not like it's a total like you know it's it was severed like they've come back around and shared things or asked about things or so I can give them referrals and those kinds of things. Um, But I would say that of those 60% um, that just do the six week, and really it's more of a commitment level, typically, like they don't want to commit to the eight weeks, the eight week, two hour program, they want to do the six week, one hour program. So it's more, it mostly comes down to that commitment level. But we're adding things, you know, we're sending, we're giving them um, the who am I, you know, we're adding fear versus, tr- you know, truth versus lies, you know, all of some scriptural things that we're, we're adding supplemental things um, throughout the weeks with them. Because mm-hmm. again, finding they are very much open um, once they get in and kind of some trust is built. So.
0: Okay. That's interesting. So, um, we're getting closer to the end of our time. And so I want to have you back if you don't mind, Melissa, and talk about that a little bit more, dig into that a little bit more about what your keys to hope and healing looks like and the supplements you're adding to that. That might be, um, really interesting for a lot of us to hear because keys to hope and healing is new on the scene. It hasn't been around that long yet. And a lot of us are struggling with it. I do know there's a, um, uh, biblical version. Of keys to hope and healing. Are you familiar with that one as well? Have you yes. used that?
1: We have not.
0: Okay. All right. I,
1: we've preferred to just use the other one and then add to it. Um, okay. That's what we've been doing.
0: Okay. Thank you.
1: I was interested
2: too. With um, I have, I have a copy of, of the, Living in Color and um, have loved, oh, one of the things I love about it is that saying hello and saying goodbye, but uh, I was curious too, and maybe we don't have time today, but uh, maybe one or two things real quick that you really like about the Living in Color, I know it's not quite as popular as some of the others we're, we're familiar with.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly really love it because I think it has a little bit of a clinical perspective, meaning like, very practical things that you can, um, kind of come back to, you know, because we all know when we're, you're in just real turmoil and pain, and sometimes you just need a very practical, easy step, something that you can kind of fall back to like, okay, we talked about this, remember, you know, so it has some very, um, practical things that you can do throughout the week, but it also, um, I think it's chapter three, um, adds in the layer you know with God the first two chapters don't because again we're building trust we're building rapport you know that's the most important thing I think in the beginning and that's what we're finding in from the keys like they don't want to go into something thinking that someone's going to preach to them or someone's going and that's just the perception a lot of times and it's not true. But that's the lie, right? That if I go here, they're going to preach at me and they're going to tell me what I've done wrong and they're going to make me feel bad. And that's the lie. Um, but if we give them a couple of weeks and it, that's why they're very you know, similar actually in in that way, that really they just need to come in and know that they're accepted by us. They need to know that that they're going to have care and love and that we're not judging them. And once those walls come down after those first two weeks, like it's, it's open to what the spirit wants to do. And we're finding that on both sides. Um, So living in color, it's, it's the same in that and that it doesn't really bring in the spiritual element until like the third week.
2: Okay. That's great. And are you doing mostly in person or virtual
0: or accommodation?
1: At this point, they're almost all virtual.
0: Okay. Oh, wow. Even after we talked in the very beginning and you said you prefer in-person and you think that that has um, more impact. That's interesting. Is that because you're finding that they're from all over? Or?
1: Yes. We do have some, I mean, recent um, and honestly, all the way through, we've had some from Ohio as well, but they are, they're choosing virtual I think because everybody got really comfortable with all the virtual and that's just, again, another layer of comfort for them, you know, that they don't have to walk into somewhere. So it's, it's, it's just, they're, they're more comfortable jumping in that way. So at this point, and I even said I would never do virtual. So here I am. So (laughs) i
0: Well, I didn't think I'd like it either. I wasn't sure it was a good idea. And I think I've even shared on this podcast before I had um, mentioned it, pitched it to somebody as an idea before COVID and before I'd ever done a virtual myself. And they're like, "Mm, I don't think so. I was like, okay, never mind. That was a bad idea. That's what I thought. (laughs) But I had no idea that it was actually God nudging me in a direction that I was clueless in until COVID came and opened up all those doors and. You know, I got into a, fr- I got into a sort of a support kind of a group different from abortion recovery. And during that time and was just blown away. I mean, I'm still friends. In fact, she helps me with this ministry with a lady I met three years ago. She's not just a lady. She's my friend. And, you know, we're still, we've only met face to face once, yeah. but we've, we just made such connection. You know, I just love how God does that. So he takes something that's bad and he turns it into something beautiful. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. He takes ashes and makes him beauty. Before we close, I want to just ask you to just tell us real quick, how many groups you're doing a year? Do you have groups starting soon? Um, like, you know, what's that look like?
1: Yes, we're right now probably doing like 10 to 12 a year. So, I mean, it's not a huge amount. I mean, comparative to what we were, um, again, it's just like, so, so many are coming, they're not ready, but then they come back around and it's just, you know, the groups organically just um, happen. Uh, we do have them on the calendar. So we ha- we're have we ready as they come back and as as they're coming in to get them registered. Um, but yeah, about 12 groups. And we try to always have one of the keys group and one of the living color um going, that's what we're doing right now. now We have four groups growing, going, uh, we have two of living and color and two of the keys. And then, um, but we always try to have either option so they can jump into the next one within a month or two. So we're doing them like every other month.
0: You're starting Um, them every other month. Okay. So you have one going now you're starting one this month or next month.
1: So we have one. So June
0: you'll be starting new groups. Yes. Okay. Just, just so everybody knows, because I know that there's other leaders out there that um, well, let me put it this way in my uh, thinking is that we need to collaborate and we need to work together for the benefit of the ladies, Mm -hmm. not for the benefit of our ministry. And so if we can help each other know about the different connections and the different networks and the different options for the ladies um, that's helpful because maybe like, I don't have groups starting now. Now I know you have them every other month. I'll definitely be sending them to you. And, um, if they don't want to wait, you know, cause I just want them to get healing. Yes. Right? Me yes. Yeah. And I think that's all of our hearts when it comes right down to it. So we are going to conclude our, uh, our interview today. And it was so much fun having Melissa on and talking with you and chatting with you again. And, um, and I hope we can do it again soon. I want to, um, put Melissa's information out there. It'll be in the show notes, but if you want to get in contact with Melissa, um, You can email her at msantiago at heartbeats.org, and that'll be in the show notes, or you can visit their website, heartbeats.org for more information about what they are doing. And if you have any questions just about, you know, what things that we talked about, you know, what to put on the website and how we're, how you're reaching people, because we all want that information. We all want to know how to do that. And most of us don't have the budget you know, to have other people do it for us. So this is great, great, great information. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward it's a to delight. Talk to you more.